I should be on uh, Talkback Radio. Yeah. Richard Mercer, love song dedications. I always thought (laughs) that would be my calling if I wasn't in uh, personality assessment. Welcome to Stand Out, Get Noticed, the podcast that helps you speak and present with rock star confidence. I'm Christina Cantors, your host and founder of The C Method Communication Skills Training. For free resources and to subscribe to the show, visit thecmethod.com. Hi there, Rockstar, and welcome to episode 148 of Stand Out, Get Noticed. Christina with you here. I hope you're having a fabulous week. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. I want to give a quick shout out to Caroline Garnett McGraw for featuring me um, in her video series, The Confidence Course, which aired last week, I believe it was. Um, if you are a new listener as a result of hearing my interview on that video series, then welcome. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Now, today's episode is all around your personality style and how, and, and personality traits that will help you or hold you back in the workplace. Now, I want to ask you, how aware are you of your strengths and weaknesses? Now, you might know what your strengths are. You might know what your weaknesses are, which is great. But if you want to move forward in your career, if you want to maybe change jobs, take on a leadership position, some of those traits or those strengths that you have might stand in good stead, but that your weaknesses might also be holding you back. So that's what this episode is all about around your personality traits and which of those are most desirable in leadership positions in the workplace and how you can actually work on them in order to get you there. I've done a number of podcasts before on communicating with other people's personality styles. It's a bit of a different focus. So this one's more about you. Okay, we're making it all about you today. Don't you worry about that. And to help me discuss this topic, I'm so excited to introduce you to my guest. His name is Sean Farrell and he's director at Caliper Profiling. Now, Sean and I are both members of Fresh Networking, which is a networking group that meets twice a month um, in St. Kilda in Melbourne. There are hubs all over Melbourne, but we're part of the St. Kilda branch. And I've recently taken on the role of lead facilitator at this group, by the way. So if you do want to join us as a visitor at the St. Kilda hub, you're very welcome. We would love to have you along. It's super fun. Go to thecmethod.com slash events for the registration link. That's just my events page where I put all details of everything that I'm speaking at, the trainings that I'm running. It's all there. Anyway, Sean and I were catching up and I was fascinated to learn more about the work that he does in his role at, as director at Caliper Profiling. Now, at Caliper, they have a profiling test that is super in-depth and it identifies whether individuals have the strengths, motivations and potential necessary for high performance. So whether it's in a brand new company, if you're moving to a new company, or if it's for a role within a team or in a leadership position, that's what it's used for. for and also for HR managers who are recruiting people and want to make sure they're a great fit for the team. Um, and it's also for individuals looking to change roles or careers. So Sean has a very scientific approach towards finding your strengths and weaknesses through using this test and using this data to predict whether you are suited to a role or not. And I thought, this is very cool. We should do a podcast about this. So here it is. Now, in this conversation, you'll discover, firstly, what are the top personality traits desired of successful leaders? Secondly, you'll also learn that it's 
It's okay to not naturally have these personality traits. We'll talk about why. um, And we'll also talk about how to learn these personality traits. So the desirable ones, how to work, how to learn how to build them and work with your natural strengths to find a job and career that you enjoy and find fulfilling. So this episode is for you if you want to move up in your career, maybe lead a team or even make a career change, um, but you're not sure if you're cut up, cut out for it or if you're not feeling confident about making this change. Okay, I, I, I strongly believe that this episode will really help you with that. Show notes for this episode will be at thecmethod.com slash caliper. That's C-A-L-I-P-E-R. And I'll put links to how you can connect with Sean and also some uh, dot point sort of summary of what we talked about today if you want to send it over to someone who you think might find it valuable. Okay, let's get into it and let's meet Sean. Sean Farrell, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. My pleasure. What I really wanted to talk to you about today was around personality traits and why it's so important to be aware of them in the workplace and can we change those personality traits to better suit the role that we're in. So to kick us off, can you share with us how does our personality traits impact the way that we communicate at work and and does that impact our careers? Yeah, well, a, a personality assessment is designed to measure what comes naturally to you. And there's a lot of people out there in the world where being direct with other people or being comfortable asserting themselves isn't natural to them. They might be more uh, naturally detail-focused or task-focused. And a lot of people uh, find themselves at work being dominated by other people who are stronger communicators. So the natural question that comes from that is, how do I change this? Is this going to impact my career progression? Can I be a leader? Can I be a manager? So we find a lot of people that come through our assessment in particular uh, are looking for ways to improve their communication dynamic because uh, they're just not comfortable doing it. Mm. So can you give an example of that in the workplace? I know you work with a lot of real estate agents. Maybe you can use them as an example. So someone who is, say, very career focused, they want to do well, and but they've reached a point in their career where they feel like they've stalled. What are the certain traits specifically that – is required of them for them to take their career to the next level? Most uh, decision makers in business who are looking at people, say, stepping up to management from an individual contributor role. So in real estate, using that example, it would be a property manager or an administrator saying, I'd like to move into management. One of the key things they look for is your comfort for being assertive and, and directing other people. You are now moving from being Uh, an individual contributor to having to get the best out of others rather than providing your own best at a Mm. task. And so in management, that often involves having difficult conversations with other people if they're not performing. And for a lot of people that don't have that naturally strong communication dynamic, that's way outside their comfort zone. So an employer or uh, a person making that decision, they may run a personality assessment on that individual at that time to see, is this something we're likely to get out of you or is this going to be a challenge for you? And if you look like you're really, really going to struggle with that, quite often it, it can be uh, a detriment to your uh, career advancement into management. So does that mean that you're in the wrong career or in the wrong position? No, it doesn't. Uh, and one thing I will say is your traits once you hit adulthood, your personality traits are pretty set, but they're not everything. 
you know, we measure this as your hardwired personality. But at the same time, there's what we call compensatory behavior. It doesn't come naturally to me, but if I really make an effort, I can do it. Uh, for someone like me or the classic real estate agent, it's attention to detail. I'm terrible at that stuff naturally, but if I really work at it, I can fill out a spreadsheet. But uh, in communication, it requires significant effort for someone who's not naturally assertive to consistently assert themselves because it takes a lot of energy for them to do that. So we would say, if you really want to be a manager, if you really want to step up to this level, it's going to be a significant challenge for you. You're going to have to be pushed outside your comfort zone consistently to do this and you need some coaching and development to to help you get there in the end. So quite often a lot of our recommendations are get a coach. Mm. Get a coach, practice this, be the first person to speak in a meeting even though it's your worst nightmare to begin with and eventually that will come more naturally to you over time. Yeah, absolutely. I know we've talked about this before we started recording around traits that come naturally to you and you have mentioned to me before that people that you work with their test comes back and they go, oh, no, that's not what I wanted. That's not what I expected. And because the, the traits that are, quote, desirable in for that, someone in that particular role or position doesn't come naturally to them. And you, you mentioned that it's okay for that. Can you talk to that a little bit? Yeah, I think people look at scores on a personality assessment and they see low scores, particularly in communication areas, and they think that's bad. There is no good or bad. Uh, there is, this is who you are. This is what makes you tick and your comfort zone for that. And you can work on those areas. The traits that make a successful entrepreneurial leader often make a disastrous employee. You know, they're highly risk-taking. They can often be bullish personalities. Uh, they can be dominating. And, and sometimes that's not required in, in businesses, in management positions. Uh, we have clients who really don't want that. They may want a manager that is more nurturing for, say, a marketing team. This is someone that has to make sure everyone's happy and get the best out of them. So for those people that really struggle with that uh, but still have aspirations for management, that's totally fine. And, and we're never going to say to anyone that you can't achieve that. I've seen plenty, plenty of people achieve that. But pick your workplace uh, carefully, obviously. Go for somewhere that's going to uh, fit the, the type of management style that you can bring to the table with your, with your coach uh, and it's not going to make you want to leave after three months because you won't be doing yourself a favor if you go into uh, a workplace and say, yay, I'm a manager, but you're just pushed outside of your comfort zone all the time. It doesn't fit who you are. It doesn't fit the kind of culture that you're going to work in. So, uh, I would never recommend someone gives up their aspirations to be a manager, but obviously look for the right place that's going to suit the style that you can bring to the table. For people who want to be more resilient at work or more assertive, but this this type of trait doesn't come naturally to them, what's something that they can do in order to learn this, to push themselves out of their comfort zone a little bit without going too far and feeling really uncomfortable? Yeah, so there, there's probably two different methods for being more assertive at work. It's simply practice. It's coaching. It's practice. It is pushing yourself outside your comfort zone. And make no mistake, this will be really uncomfortable for a lot of people to do this. Uh, but the more you do it, the more comfortable it becomes, hence why people get coaching and training. Uh, so the assertiveness one is behave more assertively. Don't be aggressive. Uh, assertive is being upfront, direct, concise, and expressing your opinion. And quite often the symptom of someone who is a low assertive a uh, low assertiveness person in the caliper profile is they may sit in a meeting room where they have a great idea 
but they don't say it. And then five minutes later, someone else says it. And they go, damn, if only I'd been up front and I'd said that, I would have, you know, people would have recognized my contribution to this workplace. So where does that fear come from, that fear of speaking up? It's just not natural to them. They're, they're, you know, I'm, I'm 99 on assertiveness, so it's a mystery <laughs> to me. But uh, generally, I meet a lot of people who are low in this, and I say, you know, what is it about? And they say, it's, it's just I'm happy to sit there and listen. Um, and I say, but aren't you missing a great opportunity to contribute your ideas? And they say, generally, yes. And quite often they're hamstringing their career as well. It doesn't mean you have to shout. It doesn't mean you have to be the dominant person, but it is – I've got an idea and I'd like to contribute it, but it's just not a comfortable thing for them to do that naturally. Uh, so they'll tend to sit back and watch. Stop doing that. Uh, one technique that we often recommend is in the next meeting room, be the first person to speak. That's terrifying for people like that. And quite often mm-hmm. this leads into the next point, which is a low resilience as well, is I'm, I'm a bit worried about the outcome and how that might impact me. So um, for assertiveness... Try and be one of the first ones to speak in a meeting. Uh, push yourself outside your comfort zone. Resilience is a bit more tricky. Uh, resilience in our profile is is a measure of how quickly you bounce back from a setback. And another, and another element can be how worried am I about the outcome of certain things which are, which are outside my control. So that's also a, a measure of level-headedness. And why there. are those important in the workplace? Well, if, if you're stepping outside your comfort zone to contribute an idea in the first place – but then you're stressing about the outcome. Obviously, you've got two things working against you there. But resilience is important in life in general of how quickly do I bounce back from setbacks? And a lot of people, a lot of people have a low, low resilience. So uh, do they, does that mean that they just give up or they don't try again because they go, oh, that didn't work out the first time. I can't bear to, to give the, it another go. It's an interesting thing, actually. Some of our research suggested that resilience is used differently between uh, male and female leaders in the workplace. Successful female leaders in Caliper studies, most of them had low resilience, which was quite a shock to us as a you know personality assessment company. We thought uh, you know breaking into the corporate environment in leadership would require a huge amount of resilience, but they were so impacted by failure and by you know hitting the glass ceiling that they use that as motivation to get back up and get going. So what we recommend is is resilience is a measure of how quickly do I recover from that setback. When someone says, you did a bad job, I need you to do this. Or when someone, um, you pick up the phone at work and there's an angry customer, someone with a low resiliency will be more affected by that. Someone with a high resilience, resiliency will just brush it off. They got to hide like a rhinoceros. It doesn't bother them. Onto the next one. So the development action there is is work with yourself and work with your coach of shortening the time it takes you to recover from that setback, setback and how long you dwell on it to to move on. Uh, because it's not you being a you know anxious and worrisome, which which some people think it is. It's just, ow, that hurt. Uh, everyone gets hurt by by setbacks. It's how do we then move forward from that? You know, going back to the the speaking up trait, the assertiveness trait, I think it also reflects on, well, it's a good message for managers as well who are running these meetings and understanding that not everyone has the same level of assertiveness and just because someone is assertive doesn't mean that their ideas are necessarily better than than someone who isn't assertive and that it might, you know, if you can be more aware of that, then you might want to, you know, pay more attention to the people who aren't saying anything and ask them specifically do you have something 
to share and realizing that it takes them a little while to to mull things over and process things before they um you know before they're willing to 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 share that with other people. That's a really excellent point, actually, because what we find is a lot of managers have low scores in a trait that we measure called empathy. It's okay. my ability to understand my team right. and read people well. So uh, for those that are in management positions that don't have that natural ability to adjust their approach and read people well, they probably don't know how to manage you as a low assertiveness person effectively. So, yeah, you're spot on in that. A manager need with particularly if they have low empathy needs to ask, uh, "Do you have anything to contribute? Is there anything that I've missed?" Um, they're the two things with low empathy that we encourage for people, and everyone thinks they've got high empathy. By the way, <laughs> oh no, I, I read people really well. I don't miss anything. You see a hundred percent of what you're seeing, but what you're missing, you don't realize you're missing. Absolutely, it's and those blind spots. Exactly, and you've you've picked up the three traits in the twenty three that we measure: assertiveness. Resilience to setbacks and empathy are the biggest three development actions that an, an employee or a manager can take, particularly if they want to be successful up the corporate ladder. Build your empathy, your ability to connect with people, read with people, ask the right questions if you don't have that natural empathy. Decrease the time it takes you to recover from setbacks if that's an issue for you. Use a coach to do that. It's a really challenging area to to, to grow that area. Mm. Uh, and with the assertiveness, it's, it is, again, a coaching issue, but... It's, it's an easier way to act assertive. And that doesn't mean aggressive. I'll reiterate that. It means I'm going to speak up when sometimes I feel uncomfortable doing that if I have something to contribute. Yeah, it would be harder to pretend to be empathetic or, or try to show that trait, Yeah, I suppose. Is there a way that we can be aware of how empathetic we're being? Is it, you know? Well, you can sit the caliper profile. That's, uh, that's <laughs> one way. Um, look, I think... You can ask, uh, have I missed anything mm. with you? Uh, you know, am I, am I managing you as effectively as I, I can? Um, is uh, what's working well for you? What would you like to see improved a bit around here? You know, is there anything? You don't have to say, are you struggling with me? You could say, is there anything I could do perhaps to better support you? Uh, is there a better way to, to manage you or should it, you know, is there a better way for me to challenge you to, to help you grow? What can I do to help your professional development over the next three months when I'm going to check in with you next, not 12 months, because then we don't do anything about it. And a lot of people will then say, I wish I could have this opportunity at work, or I think I've got an idea. Uh, it's just creating that environment. And I suppose that company culture, which can take time, but it all starts with one conversation. Love it. So tell me more about Caliper. And okay, and the work you do. We've been around a long time. We're, we've uh, been around 56 years now. We're a global company that specializes in obviously personality assessment. And these things vary a lot. I mean, there's, there's ones you can take on Facebook, uh, which will tell you what kind of animal you are. We're a bit more, more in depth than that. And we specialize in aligning people's natural strengths, their personalities to the jobs that they're being asked to do. So we used a lot in the selection process. We're looking at hiring this person. Do they fit the job that we need them to do in our company, in our culture. Um, and we're also used in developing people. You know, how do we leverage this person's strengths? How do we understand them better? How do we identify whether they're a low assertive, you know, mm. not very assertive? And, and how do we direct our coaching and development budget into our staff more effectively? And what drew you to, to Caliper or to this type of work? Uh, it's a family business 
for us. Yep. So I actually set the caliper profile to understand what sort of career I should be in. And we do a fair bit of that work these days too. Mm. Uh, I'm a bit lost for direction. I'm not sure if this is right for me. Can I sit this assessment and see what type of job might make me happy? What might play to my strengths? That's what I did. Uh, and I ended up getting offered a job uh, by my father out of that. And that was six and a half years ago. And, and uh, I just love it. I find it fascinating because part of our job is predicting the future. Uh, I'm telling a, an employer this person is going to behave like this in the future and, and seeing that actually play out mm. uh, is an absolutely fascinating process, boiling uh, job performance and personality down to a science. What were you doing before working with Caliper? I was in hospitality. All right. Yeah, so I was running bars here in Melbourne uh, and I, I came to a crossroads with that and and thought, do I want to be up till 2 o'clock in the morning when I'm 40 years old? Uh, being a manager of restaurants and bars, and I said, no, I think I'm ready for a change. Sean and I started talking about how we all have things that we're not good at, the skills that we have to work at, but if we really do put the effort in, we can eventually get better at them. Here's me explaining what I found difficult when I started my business. I look at my website metrics and my eyes just glaze over. Oh, and I think, can someone yeah. please tell me what I need to do because I do not want to analyze this. But I have learned being a business owner, I've learned how to read and create a profit and loss statement. And I'm very proud of myself and I yeah. can do that now. And but that was something that I that was a challenge for me and I had to and I had to really learn. Yeah, it's the same for me. I I have built systems around me. I've got better at the things that just don't come naturally to me. There's nothing wrong with me. That's just who I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for the people that are low in the communication areas that we've been talking about. There's nothing wrong with you. It's just that's part of who you are. And it doesn't mean you can't change those things. There are some things that are very challenging to change. But I would encourage people, uh, if they are considering a job, is don't don't try and put yourself in a position where you're likely to fail. If If there is a huge disconnect between your personality and the job that you want to do because the money's there or it's the glamorous job, I wouldn't recommend doing that is be realistic about what's going to suit you, what you're going to get enjoyment and fulfillment out of and work towards that. There are people that we measure all the time that, uh, you know, the entrepreneurial leader, the big sales star, that personality that most people seem to aspire to for some reason, um, there's some jobs that they would be absolutely hopeless at. Uh, I'm one of those guys that would be hopeless at those jobs. And those people are incredibly valuable in business because of the smarts that they contribute in their in their selected profession. So, yeah, know your strengths and weaknesses, know what what you're likely to succeed with, and then get a coach, work harder at those areas that aren't natural to you, and uh, you'll generally have a pretty good career. You know, when I was in high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do, like most kids, because I was a little bit good at all the different subjects. So there was no clear one, you know, which which subject should I sort of build upon? So I did a personality test. It was called the Morrisby Report. Do you know that one? I'm not familiar with it, no. Well, it was a while ago. I don't know. Anyway, but they looked at, you know, strengths and weaknesses, problem-solving skills. You had to write things down. And they put all that data into a system and out popped the top 12 careers that would best suit you. And you know what number one was? What's that? Architect. Right. Number two was doctor. Number three was radio presenter. Well, right? almost. <laughs> it was so weird because there was such a mix of occupations. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. None of these mm. relate to each other. In so or so, what I what I thought. 
but I'd never considered architecture before. So that's when I started looking at all the architecture degrees. They looked really interesting and I didn't want to do anything else, like nothing else appealed to me. So I said, okay, so I chose architecture based off the result mm. of that test. And it turns out I, I would have been a great architect in the sales and client-facing capacity, but all the other technical stuff that came with it was not, not where my strengths lay. So that attention to detail, these lines have to perfectly line yeah. up. It can't just be almost right, which is what I felt like saying <laughs> half the time. Oh, just, it looks about right. It's like, no, no, it's got to be millimeter, millimeter to millimeter. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's my experience with. I thought with I wanted to be a lawyer. I, I started. You'd be to- a great lawyer. I think I'm the same as you though. In that <laughs> I, I like the people side of things. I yeah. mean, I'm a director at our business, but I love sales. I love going out, talking to people. That's what gives me satisfaction because that's my personality. Um, not everyone's like that. Uh, I thought I wanted to be in law because it was, you know, the glamorous high-earning job. And I started studying and I hated it. I absolutely hated it. Just like probably the real, you know, the drawings of architecture just mm. weren't your thing. Um, but for people at, at the age that you were when you did your assessment, the, the nature of neuroplasticity is such that you generally don't have your personality set until you hit what we call adulthood, which is around 25, depending on the person. And at any time in your life, it is okay to go, I want to try something different. Uh, you know, there's realities of, of life and uh, needing an income and, and stuff like that. But we have people who are 45, 50 coming to us. They've been in the same thing for 20 years saying, oh, this has never been for me, but I've done it because it's a job and it's an income. Um, but we do students that are looking for direction. I've studied these subjects quite often not relevant to their interests at all, but it's really hard to find. I mean, I didn't know what I wanted to do until I was 26. And that's early for a lot of my friends that have also done the thing, 30, 35. It's, it can be done at any time. Uh, but yeah, don't take a job that you're going to hate that doesn't suit you because you're going to be miserable. You're probably not going to be that great at it because it doesn't play to your strengths. Try and understand, right, wh- what is my personality? What is going to give me enjoyment, fulfillment? Where am I most likely to succeed and pursue something along that path? Awesome. Sean, thank you so much for, for joining me on the show. Thanks for having me on. Hey, so if people want to learn more about Caliper or if they want to get in touch with you to talk about putting their staff or new candidates through the Caliper profiling system, sounds like it's absolutely invaluable because it'll save people a lot of money in the long term with having to replace new staff. So where can they? Where can people uh, get in touch? Uh, they can get in touch on our website. So it's caliper.com.au, C-A-L-I-P-E-R. And uh, there's a form there they can fill out and they can uh, have a chat to me directly. Brilliant. Thank you, Sean. No problem. Thanks, Christine. Big thanks to Sean Farrell from Caliper Profiling for being an amazing guest on the show this week. Lots and lots of insights there. You can find out more about what he does at caliper.com.au or simply visit the show notes at thecmethod.com slash caliper. I'll put links there um, to how you can contact Sean as well. Now, remember to go to my events page. I mentioned this at the start of the episode, thecmethod.com slash events to see all my upcoming speaking gigs and workshops. Um, there's also details of my Toastmasters club and my networking group, Fresh Networking, of, of which Sean is also a member, which are both in Melbourne. And you're welcome, absolutely welcome to visit. Come meet myself and Sean and all the other cool people. Now, I, I go to these things because partly because I believe that you're the average of the people you spend the most time with, right? I try to surround myself with great people. So if you want to be awesome, 
come hang out with awesome people um, at my at my networking group and also Toastmasters. So go to thecmethod.com slash events. There's all the details are there. I would love to connect with you in person. And that brings me to the end of this episode for this week. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Keep on being awesome, yeah? And I will talk to you next week. My name's Christina Cantors and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed.